you've hit play on The Screen Companion, a show about helping you to decide what to watch tonight. Another wonderful out-on-the-range episode of The Screen Companion. Today we're talking westerns, Tombstone from 1993, and The Quick and the Dead from 1995. Inadvertently, we have made this a 90s westerns-themed show. Oh. Max, could you give us a summary of Tombstone? Tombstone is a story about Wyatt Earp and his misadventures after retiring as a Kansas lawman. He goes out to the West, and he's joined by his family members, trying to strike it rich with the boom of silver mines, gold mines, every kind of resource you can find out in the Wild West. I actually hadn't seen Tombstone all the way through. It was one of those films that I just constantly saw scenes come up in YouTube. And there are always about one or two characters, and it was always about shootouts as well as some of the dialogue. So I just wanted to get a better idea of what the whole film when was Max about. When Max wanted to do Tombstone, I figured, sure, one, it's got Kurt Russell, two, I had never seen it before, and three, having gone to film school, I had heard enough references to the movie, and it's nice to fill in those holes in our pop culture knowledge. Stacy, did the narration bother you at the beginning? No, actually, I like the narration. It was actually pretty good. I enjoyed that part. It didn't bother me until we get to our preacher, we pop up and we just gun down everybody, and we speak Spanish, but there's no subtitles. And that's where it's like, what? Okay. <laughs> this is not something I might enjoy right here, you know? Jesus, you're so xenophobic. Maybe what the movie was telling you to do and what you should do, Stacy, is go out and learn some Spanish, okay? <laughs> You're from L.A., for God's sakes. No, it doesn't matter, man. I am new age. Give me my subtitles 24-7. <laughs> I want my subtitles. Max, I take it you understood the Spanish? I understood like 90% of it because sometimes they speak a little too fast for me, but I definitely got the message across of like, oh... Oh, this is not Between good. these two movies, whenever they show indigenous peoples, they're very religious or they're the most downtrodden. What do you think about Indians and Latinos being portrayed in Old West movies? Oh, yeah, I can't speak for the Indians. I actually don't think I've ever really met an Indian person. To me, it seems very typical exactly what I would have imagined from like a 1950s or 30s even. As for the Latinos, kind of like, well, yeah, more likely not. They were either criminals or they were just poor, humble farmers trying to get by. That seems pretty on have point, actually. Have you seen the Robert Rodriguez movie Desperado? That was also have. from the 90s. I don't believe that's a period piece movie. However, there is a Western feel to it. And for anybody looking for positive depictions of Latinos in a Western type of story. But coming into these movies, Max, what else were you expecting or hoping to see in a Western movie? I expect to see like a lot of dust, a lot of desert, heat, basically death and scavenging. That was my main expectation. Because Tombstone does have a lot of real-life characters, 
Do you think basing it on real people helped or hurt this movie? At the time, when Hollywood started like kicking up, a lot of people did know Wyatt Earp. He was actually buried in L.A. That's how popular he was. An old Western hero. And faded into obscurity up until, I want to say, this movie came out. I feel like basing off of actual people, in this instance, was actually a good thing. Especially because so little was known that you could actually still fudge around some of the details and just make it into a better story overall. Stacy, not to knock the California public school system that you <laughs> grew up in. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Had you heard of Wyatt Earp or the OK Corral growing up? OK Corral sounds familiar, but Wyatt? No. Uh-uh. I wish it was a totally original story because I don't even know any details about the real-life subjects. I wonder how many butts and seats does that really translate to? When you researched it afterward, Max, did learning the details increase your assessment of the movie, or was it a negative? It was a bit of a negative because it just showed me how many liberties they took. I understand that it was for the benefit of the story, but a part of me just also wants facts and the truth. But at the same time, there are so many different accounts of what actually happened that there is no real idea what the truth is anymore. Are either of you guys Kurt Russell fans? Not particularly, no. no. Not at all, sir. Well, jeez. Jeez, what? He's an American treasure. Have you guys at least watched some of his biggest movies? How about The Thing? Which version of The Thing? (laughs) The one from the (laughs) 80s. The only version I'm willing to talk about. (laughs) Years ago. Talking like when I was 12-ish. Oh my god. (laughs) Did it scare you? Oh, heck yeah, heck yeah. Kurt Russell, he's played a few characters that don't flinch, but I think Earp is probably his most neutral character in between Snake Plissken from Escape from New York and when he played a firefighter, that was probably his ultimate goodness in the movie Backdraft. Stacy, what did you think of him as Wyatt Earp? I can't say exactly, man. I didn't enjoy the movie fully. So those movies were like, I got bored at certain points. I started zoning out, playing on the phone, messing with the dog and the cat a little bit, you know. I couldn't stay focused. Not enough gunfire. That probably was it, honestly. <laughs> Max, what did you think of his Wyatt Earp? I felt like he did a pretty good job. One of the first few scenes where you establishing his character, you understand. He's not really somebody who will easily back down. He's not somebody who you want to mess with. And he shows it. The scene where he goes into that first saloon and he kicks out the dealer who's been bringing down the whole place. Yeah, Billy Bob. And the saloon's called the Oriental. He's a pharaoh dealer who's been mucking up business, too fighty. Wyatt Earp goes in there and tells the proprietor, you're having trouble with this guy, I'll kick him out for you. But he's quite an anti-hero. I don't think he would have gotten involved if there wasn't a percentage in it. Oh no, not at all. Uh, Wyatt is not meant to be somebody who you're supposed to use as a moral beacon. 
he has always been somebody who's there just to make money and to get out once he's done. His brothers drag him on throughout the rest of the film. Stacy, are there any details specific to this movie that you weren't expecting since it's a Western? The county sheriff, for one? Dude. He reminded me of today's politicians, bro. <laughs> he said he had like 20 positions within the town. He was county sheriff. He owned the bank. He owned the brothel. He owned a couple of the bars. He was also in that one scene where they were like, oh, oh, that guy's causing trouble. You should go take care of this. Nah, this is a city problem. Have the other <laughs> yeah, sheriff take yeah. care of it. Throw under the bus. It's not my jurisdiction, folks. Max, what was the best moment for you in this whole movie? I don't really want to say the main ending gunfight. Maybe like one or two gunfights before when they're fighting right by that oh, riverbank. The, uh, the one where Wyatt Earp looks like he's going to go out in a blaze of glory. Where he's basically just like yelling. He just gives up and just starts charging at the leader he of the gang. He just starts saying, no, no. No. <laughs> what do you think he meant when he said that, no? I think he meant, no, not like this, essentially. Do you agree with him, Stacy? I didn't get that far, man. I didn't get that far. I was on in and out. I was on in and out, bro. <laughs> <laughs> the in and out got me, man. I was just going to do 30 minutes. It wasn't getting me. Then I did an hour. I was like, all right, I got I to gotta call it here. Wow, Stacy, Bailing on a lot of the movies on this show lately. They haven't kept me in the zone, dude. I've just been drifting. I think it's the Western movie formula, how it works out and how it goes down. I started noticing some of the same stuff in the next movie. The formula they use for Westerns, I'm just not a fan of that. Would you consider yourself more of a popcorn movie fan? Okay, you got to find a popcorn movie fan. A popcorn movie fan enjoys a movie that has a little bit more surface stuff going on is a bit more bombastic, whether that's action or the soundtrack, just the gloss on it. Not that you totally forego any story or drama, but that you really need some stuff to explode. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> Almost. I did enjoy some scenes, though. My favorite shootout scene, dude. They're walking down the street at night, because it's after the play, and then People bust out of a bar. And they basically tell them, mind your own fucking business, folks. This is between real men. And they shoot the man dead in the middle of the street. And no one bats an eye. This happens every day. Let me take this short break to thank the listeners, both domestic and foreign. We've reached folks in the UK, Germany, India, Japan, Spain, Brazil... What a pleasure it is to connect with you all. Any questions, comments, or recommendations you'd like to give us, send those to thescreencompanion at gmail.com. TSC is available on sites including Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music Podcasts, and even YouTube. Besides listening to each new episode, support The Screen Companion further by getting a digital or print copy of my novel, Traversal, The Weight of Worlds, available on Amazon.
Max, would you agree that between this and Quick and the Dead, this one is probably less popcorn-y than the other one? Oh yeah, definitely. There was a lot of dialogue, I'm not gonna lie, but it wasn't bad dialogue. And I tried showing one scene to Laura, she was like, that was it? What was the whole point of the scene? I was like, what, you mean the shootout scene was the whole point of it? It wasn't flashy enough for her. So disappointed. I think that's what got me. There was so much jargon, so much slang throughout the whole movie from the get-go. Oh, there we go. We're coming back to a common theme, Stacy. You hate old slang. <laughs> I don't hate old slang. Watch the first five minutes. There's a lot, man. Like, you gotta... Oh, yeah. It's immersive. It's supposed to take place in 1890s. So what like do you want, Stacy? You want Bill Paxton calling his friends homies and saying, yo, what's up, guys? It's good to see you again. <laughs> you see that dude flexing over there? Let's take him out. He basically did, like, every chance he got, man. <laughs> Establishing just how badass Kurt Russell is as Wyatt Earp. Like you said, Max, in the Oriental, what you didn't mention is that he's slapping around Billy Bob Thornton. And I think everyone wishes they could be so confident and authoritative like that at least once in their lives. Something on your mind? Just want to let you know you're sitting in my chair. Is that a fact? Yeah, that's a fact. Well, for a man that don't go healed, you run your mouth kind of reckless, don't you? No need to go healed to get the bulge on a tub like you. Is that a fact? Hmm. That's a fact. Well, I'm real scared. Damn right you're scared. I can see that in your eyes. All right, man, go ahead. Go ahead, skin it. Skin that smoke wagon and see what happens. Listen, mister, I'm getting awful tired of your... I'm getting tired of your gas. Now jerk that pistol and go to work. I said throw down, boy. You gonna do something or just stand there and bleed? No? I didn't think so. He is unflinching in that scene, and the other guy is utterly cowed by it. Do it. Do it. Skin that smoke wagon. <laughs> That's what I did. Got me. What? Skin that What? What is he doing? <laughs> there were some lines in both these movies that I'm thinking like, Jesus, are you sexually propositioning the other person? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hate the point, but the theater scene, when the bad guy just flat out did it, I was like, oh. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you should have showed Laura that scene. I thought, why is it here? That play scene does not need to be in this movie. It's already over two hours long. Let's cut that whole scene. I guess it was just giving us how it was back then. Yeah. Maybe it's meta. You have the audience in the movie watching a play, and you have the real audience watching Tombstone. The filmmakers should be focusing on us, the real-life viewers, and whether or not we care to watch all these stupid little vignettes. These little stories, they lasted like three lines of dialogue. Is that really what they did in stage plays back then? <laughs> yeah, it had to be. Everybody was drunk, man. Nobody cared. It's like meme coverage or something. 
the human capacity to retain lines was so Or maybe they all knew because of all the gangbangers in that scene. Nobody's going to sit around for pages of Shakespeare. Let's just do little quips and get out of here. None of these guys are going to speak Latin. Let's just keep it simple. Oh, nice segue. A couple characters exchange dialogue in Latin, which must have annoyed Stacy to no end. No, it it didn't annoy me. I enjoyed that little scene right there. Then it got funny with the... I want to call that... It wasn't a quick draw, per se. More of like a parlor trick, the best way to put it. The the doc was pretty good, but I had to mention this for sure. It seemed like the doc was dying of liver failure as the movie progressed. Tuberculosis. Tuberculosis. He never got better, you see. He always got worse. That's one thing I didn't enjoy too much. I'm like, my doc's gonna die. Why? Why? He's a cool character. I think he might have been too good because I think he's the best acting out of the supporting cast. I wish there were more scenes with him. What do you think, Max? Do you think his character could have still been great had they used him more? Or was it because he was used so sparingly that that was what made him so good? If you use him too much, he just basically becomes their go-to ace in the hole that they just play every single time. Having him be the character who's that good, but he can't be used that often, the fact that God had to nerf him in order to make like the movie good. I like that. That's a good one. I guess I would agree with you because he's too much of a snob. Maybe we wouldn't want to see more scenes with him. Max, how many people would you say died in this movie? I don't know, maybe at least 50. Do you think it was better when they were talking or when they were shooting? Some of the talky parts were a little slow. The ones that were actually better were the ones where they were developing the character and hyping them up. The shooting scenes are still better than the talking scenes. But between the shooting scenes and the developing the character talking scenes, the shooting scenes are still better, but not by much more. What criticisms do you have for this movie? The one thing that kind of stuck with me, there's a scene where Wyatt's brother dies on that pool table. He goes out into the rain and he's sobbing. And you can see that only half of the soundstage is getting rain while the other half is bone dry. <laughs> and that just, that just ruined it for me. I felt that there were way too many characters and they were all there just to play their roles. That same scene with one of the Earps dying, that guy gets killed halfway through the movie. And I was pretty sure at the beginning, from just the script and the actor portraying the brother, I thought he was going to get it. When you can see certain events a mile away, I feel like have less characters, so there are less scenes, and the obvious stuff can be dispensed with sooner. So have his death come sooner in the movie, because I was expecting it. Let's just get past it, and then get on to the more interesting stuff, the stuff I don't know about, like who's going to duel who. Who's going to live? Who's going to die? Stacy, were you just waiting for that one brother in the middle of the movie to get killed? I, I don't know. I can't tell you what I was waiting for, man. Honestly, I enjoyed the movie, believe it or not. I enjoyed it. It just... You didn't finish it. Yeah. I couldn't stay focused <laughs> on it. It needed something, and I don't know exactly what it was, to keep me in the zone. 
the whole time. Oh my god. Okay, guys. Anybody listening? <laughs> I'm copywriting this immediately. Here's what you do. Okay, you can use this system for any movie in any situation, whether it's trying to keep Stacy interested for a podcast, <laughs> or if you're showing Tombstone in high school history class and you want students to pay attention. I propose you take a movie like Tombstone and just randomly, every five to ten minutes, insert an explosion from a totally different movie. Insert titty shots and put in the occasional swear word that has no context. So that way, if somebody like Stacy's watching, he's like, Jesus, this is so boring. I'm not getting into this. And then, bam, an explosion from a Fast and the Furious movie happens suddenly. And he goes like, whoa, okay, now I'm back in. I don't know what that was, but that car exploding was cool. <laughs> no, no, I don't think that's it. Gearing up for this episode, I went to the man who knows about Westerns, somebody who's watched far more than myself. I called up my dad. Oh. Over the course of an hour, I sweated him. I interrogated him to put into words why he likes Westerns, what he thinks typifies the genre when it's really good. We're going to do our TSC Western scorecard where we're going to rate this movie based on some criteria the father of this podcast put together. <laughs> he does listen to the show, so I think this will be a treat for him. <laughs> Here are my dad's five ways to rate Westerns. He thinks the first thing it should have is a self-sufficient, confident main character. From zero to three, Max, what do you think? I would definitely give it a three. He was super confident with Damn. what he was doing. Just when that scene you mentioned, man, he gets a solid three. He hit everything perfect. Agreed. It's like either this or Kurt Russell and Soldier is him at his manliest. The second thing... Western should have, according to my dad, is a love interest. That love interest, I didn't really. We really care didn't for bring her. her up much. She was there, but she wasn't really there. There, like she did do some interference, and she did have one or two kind of moments. But no, she was basically a really obscure background character that just occasionally popped up. So I didn't give her at all. Would it have helped you if she got naked? Yes. Yes. <laughs> no questions asked, yes. But she gets a one as well. I thought she was fine when she was on screen, but I just didn't care if the love story got resolved or not, or if she ever appeared again or showed up at the end of the movie. So, yeah, just give it a one. Third thing that's important to Westerns, according to my old man, Having an untamed wilderness or wide open spaces. Yes, three. It did have a lot of wide open spaces. You see them running between towns and other locations. Let's give it like a 1.52. I admit, I only watched a certain segment. <laughs> I mostly just saw the town, a lot of shootouts, a lot of death. I didn't get the feeling that we encompassed the whole West. I took Untamed Wilderness and Wide Open Spaces more as the imagery. Does it really give you that whiz-bang feeling like it's a real grand scale? And on that level, I'll give it a one. I didn't feel any of the imagery really stood out. 
I know I've seen some westerns where they'll show you this really great establishing shot, the sun going down over the horizon, and it's just really arresting and beautiful. I don't recall there being any moments like that in Tombstone. The fourth thing, according to my dad, good westerns have an element of frontier justice. A lot of people did get shot. There was like maybe one or two things where they actually stood trial. And I'll give it a two because I didn't see anybody get hanged. I'm feeling the two, but I want to say it's a three. We got justice, but it wasn't good guy justice per se. Like the scene you were talking about with the judge. I can remember that guy because he shot the sheriff. We fast forward a little bit, like a month or so. And the guy's talking about it. And then like, can you believe it? The judge said, we can't have a trial without a witness to a murder. So that guy got off scot-free. God damn. That judge is good. (laughs) Yeah, you could have a whole wheelbarrow full of bodies, but I guess if nobody saw who did it... Exactly, you know. I think this is a three all the way, because so many people died in the name of Wrath or Vendetta. Sure, Wyatt Earp and his people are wearing badges, That doesn't really mean much. I think they would have gone and killed a bunch of folks with or without the steel on their lapels. The final thing that makes a great Western, my dad says, is straightforward good versus evil. They do establish early on the cowboys are pretty evil. They had two of their own guys get killed, and they just wipe out the whole Mexican police squad in this one town, and possibly rape or murder the soon-to-be wife. That's pretty evil. Not soon-to-be? Wasn't it right after the ceremony? (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's true. Right after the ceremony, they all got murked. But the thing is, Wyatt himself isn't really a good guy. He's on the better side of the coin, but I wouldn't say he's all the way there. Because, you know, he's a bit of an anti-hero. Yeah, he's a push-comes-to-shove guy. Yeah, I would give it... I would give it a I'm two. telling you on that rating. Two, 2.5, somewhere in there. He's not clean-cut, but he was a man of the law. I think that's the trick. Like, he was at one point, 100% goody two-shoes. Two sounds right. You mentioned, Max the gang in this movie, and they're just called the Cowboys, and instantly I thought, one of the most generic, stupid gang names I've ever heard, and it was one of the few details I looked up after the movie, and yeah, they were just called the Cowboys. That's late. They should just do a gang now that's called Thugs, or the Bad Guys. (laughs) Yeah. Before we move on to the next movie... Max, do you think westerns are better as dramas or action movies? So far from what I've heard, possibly <laughs> action movies. I think that's the energy Stacy's giving off. No, no, I'm not. True Grit. Is that an action or drama movie? I ask because I Stacey, haven't seen have it you yet. have you seen it? No. <laughs> okay, so it's a drama. Well, I'm assuming you mean the one with Jeff Bridges? Yeah, let's go with that Because that was a remake of another movie. The one with John Wayne. Jeff Bridges one. I think that's a Coen Brothers movie. That one's a drama. Uh, 
while the revolvers are iconic to that genre, I think the independent spirit of the Old West is what can really heighten a Western drama because the characters can pursue their goals mostly unfettered by institutions. Something like, my brother needs my help to save his frontier farm, I'm going to do it. An outlaw stole my horse, I'm going to get it back. These are things that I don't think you're going to find in other genres as readily. And so those declarative things fit better in a drama than in an action movie. Maybe someday, Stacy, you'll watch a good Western drama. One day. Now, can I assume you finished The Quick and the Dead? It was a shorter movie with more action. <laughs> I finished it just barely. 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 Can you give us a summary of the movie? We have a lady who's out for revenge. And on her course for revenge, she runs to town as partake in an old-fashioned shootout tournament where she meets, I guess he's a main character or is he a support? The preacher? We have a little something developed between them, but it doesn't last. That's what I got from it, sir. (laughs) (laughs) On this watch, what was your initial reaction? The ending caught me by surprise. I didn't expect it. Just because our main character accomplished her goal and just run out. I did what I wanted to do. I didn't want the money. I didn't want nothing. I just wanted this man dead. You didn't see that coming? No, I expected her to take the money too, bro. Like, she just said, forget everything. She just killed him and rode off. And she did all this build up, all this trust, made all these friends, did all this work to take two hours to kill one man and then leave. I felt disappointed. Sounds like a typical Western to me. It was never Did about the money. Did it strike you a little cheesy and contrived? This town is holding a dueling contest, and Sharon Stone's character, the lady, she decides to participate in it when all she wants to do is kill the town leader, played by Gene Hackman. Couldn't she just do that on her own, slip into his house and shoot him dead and then run away? Exactly. That's basically what she did. That's basically what she ended up doing anyway, which is a little frustrating to me. (laughs) (laughs) She broke the rules of the contest anyway. Just do it at the beginning. Exactly, sir. Maybe early on she thought, okay, this is my best chance of survival and doing it without getting in trouble. Up until she realized, oh, no matter what, the deck is stacked against me. I might as well just go all out. I'll try to give any movie the benefit of the doubt if it means I can respect it a little bit more. But I was thinking that the entire time. And the prize money, fellas, in today's dollars would be over $3 million. That's not bad. That's a huge pot just to shoot some people. And the money was put up by Gene Hackman's character along with Wells Fargo, and those guys were name-checked in Tombstone as well. (laughs) Which, I don't have positive associations with that banking group. (laughs) Neither does my wife. (laughs) Stacy, do you remember back in college, folks in San Francisco bitching about Wells Fargo? Oh yeah, heck yeah. All the time. 
in the mid-2000s, they had some troubles, if I recall. I just remember people saying, don't do Wells Fargo. They got bad customer service. Down in LA, Max, were you guys bitching about Wells Fargo? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I don't even remember what the drama was exactly. I don't remember if it was like, oh, they charge fees and they basically make people go bankrupt and still keep charging them. There were just some weird shitty practices. Oh, yeah, hidden fees. I think that's what they did. That was exactly it, man. The fees on fees on fees. And there's fees on the hidden fees that never stop. And you can't close your account because you're building more fees because you can't close it out. Ugh. Funny enough, as soon as I got out of high school, the first thing I did was look for a bank that had no fees. So I never had to deal with that. When all that came down, I was like, ha, ha, I'm ahead of the curve for once. <laughs> my brain's so big. Look at my $200 nice and neatly saved up in my bank account. Still a big brain move. I applaud that. I <laughs> still definitely applaud that. <laughs> I think it's safe to say is a bit odd for a Western movie to have a female lead character. Do you think it being a female gunslinger was a good or bad thing for this movie? For the actual story, it is a nice little twist. For the 90s, it was a good direction to go into because things were changing at that point. We already had good female leads beforehand in um, Ripley from Alien, all those other characters. Whether or not I would find it believable, on the other hand, I probably wouldn't. Just the fact, even during the movie, when she wanted to join the contest, they played her as a big joke, and everybody laughed at it. Even the kids, the little girl that was helping out, she laughed at the joke about women being able to shoot. I didn't enjoy it. I think if it would have stuck to the original Western formula, it might have been better. Well, for one thing, she was too pretty. <laughs> <laughs> She had all of her teeth. Unrealistic. Yes. Not one smudge on her perfect face for most of the movie. You got Pat Hingle, our favorite Commissioner Gordon from the Batman movies. He's a proprietor at the saloon. He's got his back turned to her. He's on a ladder. And she comes in. She says, I want a room. And he says, whore's next door. <laughs> I'm pretty sure for the audience, it's supposed to be like a real big moment. Like, show this misogynist what's what. So she kicks the ladder out from under him. Don't call me a whore. But to me, that was totally unnecessary posturing. You've lost me, Sharon Stone. Pat Hingle, he's so damn lovable. He had his back to you. Honest mistake. To be fair, like 50% of the women in that town are whores. <laughs> It didn't land the way I think the writers wanted it to. It was supposed to be an empowering moment for her, but instead it just made her come off as, uh, bitchy. I didn't read into it like that. I feel like she came in, I guess he kind of hurt like a guy, because she sounded a little rough. She wasn't ladylike. She was grizzled. Oh, you think he thought the person asking him a question was looking for horse? Yeah. Like a younger guy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I like that. Speaking only about this movie, not in broader gender politics terms or anything else, I feel like the lady was too indecisive. Among all the characters, these hardened gunfighters in town, she cried and ran away a lot. <laughs> And I don't think the character would have been as weak if the lady had been written as a guy. Yeah, 
I must agree. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I don't know, though, for the character they were writing for the story and why she was there to get revenge. If it was a man, would that level of vulnerability still made sense? And I'm not saying that the weakness was intrinsic to a female character is the only reason they entertained that level of weakness at all. Was it because they had a female gunslinger? I don't know. I just can't think of Kurt Russell riding out of town crying. To be fair, he did cry in the rain when his brother died. Yeah, but his brother died and he he had his blood on his hands. Sharon Stone, she got gussied up and went to Gene Hackman's house for a dinner date and didn't like the way he looked at her and decided she was going to run away. (laughs) So this movie, directed by Sam Raimi. Get me pictures of Spider-Man. That's all it comes up to me. There you go. The original Spider-Man trilogy. He's known for being very stylish. Do you think his style worked well for this movie? I want to say it did. I enjoyed some of the shootout scenes. It was entertaining. All those crazy camera moves. Did you like them? (laughs) Here's some of the tricks he used. He had rotating shots. Snap zoom into Dutch angles. There was one point where there was a montage set against pure black. Very theatrical. I thought it was all distracting. I wished he had saved some of that stuff for the cool shots and the big moments in the duels themselves and keep the rest of it relatively straightforward like it was maybe a John Carpenter movie. Just put the camera down, Sam, (laughs) and let the scenes play out. Stacy, what was your favorite action moment? I hate to say it, but when Ace got killed, damn, that was nice. Mr. Hanlon... I wanted to ask you about Indian Wells. Did that fight really take place? It sure did. And it's true that you gunned down four men. Two with my left hand, two with my right hand. You see, the truth is that I am just as good with either. You must be the fastest gun in the West. <laughs> the Batman are the biggest liar. It's a pity you weren't there to find out. <laughs> oh, but I was, Ace. You see, I was the one that really killed the Terrence brothers. And I doubt if a lying little chicken like you was even in the same state. Loses a thumb. Tries to quick draw with his left hand. Loses that. And then gets gunned down ruthlessly. Being a liar. I loved it, man. <laughs> Not to mention we're back in the hood when he got robbed right afterwards. <laughs> uh, I just enjoyed that. That was good. Kind of bounce off of Stacy's comment, the one where Scar gets shot because once again they just show all these vultures coming up and picking off everything off of these guys because he was one of the first guys to take stuff off of Ace, only to end up having his stuff taken off of him too. Yeah, it's just the circle of life. He rolls up, dressed to the nines, only to have it all peeled away. (laughs) (laughs) I thought a really cool moment was when Gene Hackman had that duel with Keith David, the black shooter. 
Based on his garb and his name, I'm going to assume he was a Civil War veteran. When they have their duel and seeing the giant hole that's through Keith David's head was very effective. Because <laughs> the camera angle, I guess technically it's a POV shot. It's from Keith David's POV. You can see Gene Hackman <laughs> because it's a hole through Keith David's head. <laughs> I noticed too that the gun holes when they made them obvious. Very bloodless, huh? <laughs> Nothing was dripping in those bloody holes. <laughs> yes. You could hear the wind whistling through it. <laughs> Max, do you think this movie is better when they're talking or when they're shooting? The talking bits seemed a little too simple for me. So probably the shooting. I must have grasped what kept me in, man. <laughs> it kept me in. Like, some of the talking was good, but overall, just the shootouts made this movie. And that's too bad because there aren't that many duels. I don't like how we don't know exactly why the lady has come to town until over an hour into the movie. I know she's there for revenge. So how about just move that flashback? They pepper it throughout the movie. Move the flashback of her father to the first act. So that way we can get a clearer idea of what makes Gene Hackman so villainous. Because unlike the first movie, when they shoot up that Mexican wedding, I didn't really get a sense of Gene Hackman being pure evil until late in the game. Maybe not move it to the very beginning, maybe move it somewhere closer to the middle. Because even in that flashback, there's a little twist that you didn't really expect. Yeah, you assume he was somehow involved in her dad's death. But at the same time, it's that one little detail that besides driving the whole point home of how evil he is, also shows oh this is your little extra pinch of motivation he may not have been in it 100 percent, but he definitely caused it 100 percent. i don't know how far we want to go in spoiling what the flashback shows no i don't want to spoil the twist i agree with you there maybe the very end of that where you really see the twist keep that for later in the movie that was nice just establishing that it was her father that got killed I can assume that pretty early on, but as far as when they make it clear that she's getting revenge for her father and that Gene Hackman did it, that was pretty late in the game, wasn't it? Was it even the same scene with the twist? No, it was way, way later on. Straight up, I knew in the first two minutes, this is going to be revenge right here off the back. But even like 15, 30 minutes in, I'm like, exactly, who are you? What are you trying to accomplish here? You're in this tournament. And you want to kill this guy, but why? And I want to spoil it so badly. I want to. The twist at the end is so good. Ugh. It adds to my frustration of the movie. <laughs> I also like the part how they show that particular little detail in the very beginning when they're establishing her character. And it comes back later on that you see, oh, that's why this happened the way it happened. And that bar scene when they're all signing up. What eventually gets her signed up for the contest? Oh, okay. I see. Uh, okay. That chair scene. That really shows. That's what triggered you to do this whole thing. That's what really got you into it. I didn't think about that. That was a nice callback, a nice reference to be made later on. But with the rest of the story, again, why did she follow the contest as long as she did? <laughs> <laughs> it's just so silly. Uh, 
Did it make you guys think of those competition movies that Jean-Claude Van Damme did, like Bloodsport or The Quest? I've seen Bloodsport, but it was so long ago. I just remember Kumite and Submit. That's another movie where there are these disparate characters coming together for a competition. And it made sense for Jean-Claude's character. He was there to honor his sensei, and he wants to win the competition in the guy's name. So I get why that guy would play by the rules. But I just keep coming back to Sharon Stone's character (laughs) playing by any of these rules. It's like over the course of less than a week that the competition happens, she could have just killed him in the middle of the night and rode out. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. And considering she was sitting on a stack of dynamite for most of the movie, (laughs) she didn't even have to do it personally. She could have just planted it and blew him away. Can we talk about Keith David's character and how allegedly the whole town chipped in to sign him before the contest? My main gripe with that is the whole, how'd you know that the main bad guy was going to sign up for this contest? What if he didn't? What if he was like, you know what? I'm just going to watch this time. I want to watch everyone die. I'm not going to sign up for it. What then? Gene Hackman's character, Herod, don't they establish that they've had this contest before and he always enters? Because it's his money that they're using. Yeah. So I think that's how they knew about it and to enlist Keith David. It's a nice scene when they do it and Hackman confronts the crowd, kind of has his Denzel Washington and training day moment. I'm confused. All I hear from you, you spineless cowards, is how poor you are. How you can't afford my taxes, my protection. And yet somehow you've all managed to find the money If you've got so much to spare, I'm just going to have to take some more off you. Because you clearly haven't got the message. This is my town. If you live to see the dawn, it's because I allow it. I'm in charge of everything. I decide who lives or who dies. How did they pay for it? You got me. Clearly, he wasn't taxing them enough. Like he said. There's one other thing that really got me, and that was the boy with the shades. The psychic. <laughs> was he psychic or blind? He's blind, but I call him the psychic. Okay. He knew where she was looking. He knew someone's riding into town to start some trouble. That person like three miles away, and this kid just knew everything. <sighs> On how about when that jerk... Was it the guy that had gotten out of jail? Scar? Yeah, Scarred. Wasn't he the guy that screwed up the blind kid's set of potions and whatnot, his wares? Yes. I thought immediately after that, everything in that suitcase, whatever he was using to hold all that crap, it just sounded like everything got broken. (laughs) It did. (laughs) So it's like, what, did he just have another set ready to go? (laughs) Yes, for sure. So he's psychic, dude. He had preordained everything. He knew to set aside half his supply, all that stuff. He knew it was coming. Gene Hackman was right. Everybody in town was holding back from him. (laughs) (laughs) You just reminded me of the scene where the priest is taking on the Native American. He's like, I need another bullet. The blind kid going through his box. (laughs) (laughs) He's got everything, dude. He knows what's up. 
the way the town is portrayed in The Quick and the Dead, it's so isolated. It's so silly on a practical level, like the kid owning a gun shop when it looks like there are only 50 people in the whole town. What commerce ever comes through that town? <laughs> None. This is one of those things where like, the extra characters they had in the previous movie would have worked out. Going to our Western scorecard. Self-sufficient, confident main character. Stacy, do you think the lady had that? She started off with a three, and as the movie progressed, no, she didn't end with a three. She ended with a one. She let me down too much. Would she have let you down less if you saw some booby? Yes. Got close at some point to see a little sun. <laughs> no, no, I, I saw a nip slip. I was happy. <laughs> <laughs> I missed it. Did you see that with your naked eye? Or did you freeze frame? I saw that on my 55-inch OLED <laughs> 4K TV. I saw it all. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you saw it on your 55th attempt. <laughs> yeah, Laura's walking through. What are you doing, Max? Nothing. Research. Get out of here. <laughs> Close the door. <laughs> What's your score, Max? I'm going to give her a two because throughout most of the movie, you can tell she's never actually shot a person. She may have shot bottles and cans to get good at shooting, but she hesitated a lot for actually using it on people. And there's a scene where, you know, she ran out during that dinner scene. She had to run away to the gravesite. She did a lot of running, more so than Earp ever did. She might have come out on top at the end of it all, but... No, she wasn't fully self-sufficient. She didn't have confidence. I'm going to give her a one. She was pitiful in some parts that might have been more acceptable had more of the characters been more unbalanced. In a sea of badasses, to have this one character, our main character, be the one that tears up a lot, that was hard to stomach. This one, I guess, technically has a love interest in Russell Crowe as the preacher. It was there. It existed. I'd give it a 1.5 to 2. I didn't care for it, but it helped progress the story. I would give it a 1. I didn't see Russell Crowe as a love interest. I saw him more as a supporting character. He might have cared for her, but I don't think she felt the same way. If anything, she felt kind of what, disgust or anger toward him because he was basically the same as the main baddie? Or had been so at one point. She did basically use him. Alright, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to make things progress. And early on, he did help her. But it didn't seem like she was too grateful about that. I'm going to give it a one. They did bang it out, so at least there was something. When she's riding out of town at the end... I didn't care that he wasn't on the back of her horse. <laughs> the third criteria, untamed wilderness, wide open spaces. Uh, beginning, we see a good portion of the West. They talk about a little bit where the preacher came from. The town doesn't feel stagnant. I give it a 2.5. Wow. I'm going to give it a zero. I gotta agree with Max on this one. I don't know what you were smoking, Stacy. 
Maybe you were looking at photos on your phone of wide open spaces <laughs> when you got bored. The most amount of wilderness you see is when she's riding to town. One guy's running away before he gets shot in the back. Nah, let's talk about the intro, though, when she comes in, you know? There's barely any wilderness there. For all you know, there might be, like, another town, like, 10 miles in any direction, pretty close by it. I wouldn't really say that's untamed wilderness. They shot it behind the western theme park that they shot the rest of the movie at. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. Ouch. Case settled. (laughs) I tried the bet for you. Talk about some frontier justice. What do you give it, Stacy? I give it a one, man. There was no frontier justice. Probably a one as well. There was one hanging body, so you do know that justice does happen every now and then. But given the way things are going and the fact that you didn't see anyone from like the governor's office or the county come in and do like an investigation... It did nothing for me. I'm going to give it a flat-out zero. The only justice this movie's going to get is from me roasting the hell out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Once again, all the characters are really good about following the rules of the contest. I'm not really seeing much frontier justice as I am gamesmanship. (laughs) (laughs) And lastly, Stacy. The straightforward notion of good versus evil, how well do you think the quick and the dead portrayed that? Damn, that's a straight up zero. I thought the bad guy was good at one point. I'm not gonna lie, I thought he was the good guy. And I thought Kit was gonna be like the ultimate savior too, but he wasn't. I'm gonna give it a two because most of the characters are pretty cut and dry. Like, okay, I can see these being mostly good. I can see these people being pretty much evil. Yeah, there were a few neutral characters. They were all throwaway characters. It didn't really matter. But a lot of that, you're filling in the gaps, right? As far as what we saw on screen, would you say anybody was truly good or truly evil? Maybe two or three of them were definitely evil. Truly good? Maybe the psychic boy. He was the only one who was truly good. The magical handicap kid. Did he kill anybody? No. Did he hurt anybody? I mean, besides throwing a bullet, no. He would be the best killer, especially in Tombstone. (laughs) Not only would the victim ever see him coming, but he himself couldn't be a witness to his own crimes. (laughs) (laughs) I saw nothing, Your Honor. Gene Hackman, he was a fine villain. I didn't see much of a hero in Sharon Stone's character. I'm going to have to give it a one. Now our final segment, fellas. TLDL, too long, didn't listen. I'm going to ask you guys some rapid-fire questions. Try to keep your answers brief. Here we go. Stacy, which is a better revenge flick? Tombstone. Max, is Kurt Russell a better anti-hero or Gene Hackman a villain in today's movies? Gene Hackman, villain. Max, again, if someone was going to watch these flicks for another reason besides that they're westerns, 
Should someone watch Tombstone as a Val Kilmer fan? Or The Quick and the Dead as a Leonardo DiCaprio fan? Oh, Tombstone. Stacy, which movie had better gunplay? Tombstone, the gunplay is actually good. I enjoyed it. Max, which one would you rather sit down with your high school-aged sons to watch? Oh, God. Oh, God, how dumb are they going to be? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got to go with Tombstone. Is that because you think high school-aged kids would like Tombstone more, or you would figure there'd be a better conversation after that movie? I want to save the conversation. Stacy, would The Quick and the Dead be better if it was longer, or Tombstone if it was shorter? Tombstone if it was shorter. It wasn't that long. It was roughly 130 minutes. Apparently, uh, 60 minutes too long for Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, Stacy, were you more invested in Doc Holliday or the kid? I say Doc Holliday just because his declining health actually like hurt me every once in a while he popped on the screen. Damn, I'm just going to die. Max, what's a bigger hanging plot thread? What happened to the contest jackpot? Or what happened to that slimy sheriff that sided with the cowboys? I'm going to say the slimy sheriff, because I'm pretty sure the pot money got burned. I feel like that's what they were hinting at, that the money got burned. But I don't think they did a very good job of that. And I really wanted to see that sheriff get killed. And finally, for both of you, which movie is a better recommendation for non-Western audiences? The Quick and the Dead. I'm going to go with Quick and the Dead. And this is based off of Laura's reaction to Tombstone. Did you tell Laura that Sharon Stone was starring in Quick and the Dead? No, not yet. I wonder what her reaction would be. If she would go, that's cool, or that sounds jokey, or... I think he'd be watching it again. Round two. He's got to be in 4K. 